hi, Rebecca. It's wonderful to speak to you. Um, and really nice to see you again. Thank you for having me. It's always a joy to be with you. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. So what I'd like to talk about today to start off with is purpose. And that's a very big thing. Um, <laughs> uh, and then perhaps a little bit later, we can talk about a specific purpose that you have at the moment. But um, shall we leave that as an enticement for later on? Um, I'd first like to ask you, how do you see having purpose? Well, you always ask exquisite questions. I have to start with that. So thank you. And thank you for having me. And most importantly, thank you for your purpose, because it's done so much for me, but it'll have done an awful lot for many more people. And the people who perhaps don't even know it, the ripples of your goodness. So that's the most important purpose of our interview today. I want to let your light shine a bit. So thank you for that. Thank you. But in answer to your big, glorious question, I have some thoughts on it born from great struggle. And I think the biggest lessons in life come from enduring long-term adversity. I'm not talking about a bad week or a bad couple of months or a bit of disappointing behavior in the world. When something happens to you that is completely beyond your control, it is ruinous to your state of being and health and functioning, and also goes on a long time and is difficult on an hourly basis. There are grand lessons in purpose within that experience. And I think my experience, we have had an absolute ton of illness hit our family. That is almost difficult to talk about. There was so much of it. Yeah. But I am determined that there be loving purpose from it and that I will not be embittered because of it and that there will be goodness from it and that there will be lessons and I hope blessings. Yeah. And in all of that, the issue of purpose, I think, in our culture is often confused with productivity. And, and you are a master at this, <laughs> is that purpose comes from being. And that just being you is a great gift to the world, no matter how much you can function, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. And your very <laughs> presence here is about your purpose not your productivity. Absolutely. Oh, it's so lovely to hear those words. I, that, I totally agree. That's, that's what I want everybody to be able to understand um, so that we can all feel that we have purpose just in being ourselves. So thank you for sharing that message too. What I picked up from what you just said before that was that beautiful thing about choosing to turn adversity into something meaningful and meaningful in a in a loving way in a positive way and and it is about a choice isn't it it's i mean it's not easy to do that it's a choice we, we, a choice not to let life drag us down all the way have you got any little tips on the ways you make those choices yes again another exquisite question dear guru <laughs> you've got me on my toes <laughs> well i think the first thing is is that i'm grateful to be well enough to be up here and talk to you today i can sit up i'm dressed i've been showered i've taken myself to the bathroom i've had food that i can eat and tolerate 
Wowza. Um, so there are a myriad of tiny treasures that have got us together today and that I found you, you know, a lot of years ago. And so there are two or three ways and I, I manage my coaching and counselling clients in this way and help them. And a lot of them have not had severe ME. They often have other invisible conditions, but they can still function in the world. So when you've had severe ME for a very long time and getting out of bed is a monumental feat, it gives you a perspective on the world that is, I now view it as a magnificent perspective because what it allows you to do is to realize the great wealth of your values, your being. And for me, the things that matter most in life are health and unity. And the ability to find some worth when you cannot physically function is a great struggle. And it's really lovely that we can be shiny and cheerful today. But if you're on the bathroom floor, I mean, I've spent many nights on a bathroom floor being sick multiple times because I wasn't well enough to get back to the bed. I've had so I had 20 years of fairly severe ME, 12 to 40 weeks a year in bed, housebound or hospital. My dad was chronically sick as well. There's a lot of illness in the house. And just as I started to improve, my mum got early onset dementia in her 50s, which was horrific. So that level of physical and mental trauma in one loving, lovely unit, because we were gorgeous, we really were, and we still are, because she's in heaven now, but I, I, I feel her with me, is... You have to find a way to cope through those horrific hours. And that's done on a very short term basis. And that you have to realize you manage your thinking as well as the circumstances. And how do you manage your thinking when you're riddled with pain and you can't do anything and there's nobody to help? You know, for goodness sake, if, if a, a well-meaning person says to me, just manage your energy, Becca, pace yourself, think good thoughts. I would kick them out of the room, you know what I mean? How dare you when I'm enduring all of this? However kindly and joyously that, that was meant. So it's the managing the very short term. So I would think I just have to get through the next half an hour. Yeah. Then I have to get to lunchtime. And what can I do in my thinking and my behavior that will try and make that as manageable and bearable as possible? And when I was really tortured with pain for periods of time, and missing out on all of the world, is I used to think a thousand people would swap with me now. And that's a hard sentence to think when you're on the bathroom floor and you're 20. And all your pals are, you know, having a joyous life. But I knew there would be people who were on news bulletins, who were in war zones, who had no food, who mothers who'd lost their children. I could go through the list. And that would immediately put me in a position where I was thinking, in a, not in a self-piteous way, I was accepting of the difficulty in the current moment, but that my perspective was this might not last forever. In a week, it might be calmer. In 10 weeks, it might be much better. You know, I might be at the seaside next week. I used to think, what, where could I be? The seaside was my place. Um, could I sit in the front of the car with all the old grannies who come out with their flasks and I'm 22? Yeah. <laughs> just to see I, this thing. I'd just like to kind of put us back on track a little bit, actually, because what I, what I heard you talking about was a wonderful way of getting through the hard times mm. and, and that it's a, really about bringing it into a shorter period of time and making it a small block of time at a at a time 
Um, but what I want to talk about is purpose, not coping, but purpose. So I'm just wondering, perhaps there's something in that story that leads you to purpose. What, what it was that a way that you found your purpose? Where does purpose come from for you? I think it comes from courageous love. And I think whether you're the carer or the recipient, that kindness saves sanity. Okay. And even a kind word or that you sit with somebody or that if they're too ill, you don't sit with them, whatever they need. And I think action negates worry. So whatever you can do yeah. brings you back to purpose because your purpose might be to just get through that tremendously difficult time yeah. as an example to somebody else. Yeah. So, so f- back when you were very unwell, your purpose was just to get through the next few, the next 30 minutes or the next few minutes. Your purpose was just to get through. Um, but when you can get beyond that moment, purpose is in the love. And you, you use the word courageous love. And what I loved about what you just said was it's not just about your purpose isn't just about giving that courageous love it's also about being able to receive that courageous love so I I, I absolutely love that <laughs> because oh, I, I, I'm glad I love it when you're pleased <laughs> <laughs> I I do think that that purpose that our purpose the love purpose goes to two ways it is just as important to be able to be on the receiving end of love as it is to be able to be on the giving end of love so like you said even in those moments when you're not well enough to be on the giving end of love you still have the purpose because you can be on the receiving end of love yes and my my father used to say to my grandmother who would be always, oh, don't give me any presents. You know, she'd always, he would say, receive with good grace. And that's a beautiful sentence, isn't it? Absolutely. And again, we mustn't confuse receiving because we're always giving with our manners, our temperament, our expressions, even if it's just a tiny whisper of thank you. And I had a Facebook memory come up today, which was so poignant because I knew I was going to talk to you dear guru um and it said when my mom was very she was very sick for 14 years and she lost all her functioning and was tortured in that but i had written a facebook memory of something i had said to her and she had very few words and every now and again she would have this enormous moment of clarity you know and and these were very few and far between and she was sort of my age and i said to i said are you all right treasure And she didn't have any sentences left. So she's not even 60 and she can't walk, talk, see or hear. And she said, very. And I said, are you all right, treasure? And I just, you know, I I was going around the question, you know, really uh, what I was saying is, are you in pain? Can I get you anything? And she just said, very. And she just pressed a little bit further into my shoulder, (laughs) you know, very. And she could have, she wanted to stay there all day, every day. She just wanted to tuck in like a puppy. So she was in many respects, my child. So the business of, are you all right? I am very all right if you're with me. Yeah, so yeah. There, there are humble lessons in presence and purpose because, yeah. because I couldn't fix that. But what I spent 14 years trying to do was make it a bit less bad 
Yeah. And that's a powerful statement of purpose. Not what can we do to make it better? Because sometimes it's just unrelentingly difficult. But if you can make it a bit less bad with a kind word, a sweet smile, do your basic job with good grace. You know, a minimum wage carer with a loving heart is more powerful than anything in the world. You know, and I would, they need a massive pay rise and honour from the Queen. But the people yeah. who've saved our sanity are the ones who've, who've given with good grace, but received with good grace. It's the, it's yeah, the, it's the sum of the parts. And I love how you're, you're picking up on how just little things like an expression of your face, a smile, kind words, all of those things are just are, are such simple ways of having purpose and they can have such a ripple effect as well. So they make your life because we lived in a life and death situation for the last few years of her life, which was you're on tender hooks all the time. Will she choke? Will she have a seizure? Will she suffer horrendously? So you're in this yeah. awful stage. And if she'd had two mouthfuls of yogurt, I was elated. Now, the world would look at that as if I was a crazy woman. But it just meant that she had swallowed and she had a little bit of something. Or if we'd managed to find the softest cushion or pillow. These are tiny things. And, you know, end of life is a different situation for most people because it's very rare but people who are very severely ill with ME are often as ill as people at end of life um, you know in the sense of how how little they can function or the payback if you do try and function even a tiny bit so those lessons are very very powerful so let's bring it more into the present moment for a little while because I would love to hear a bit more about how you are purposeful now Tell me about your, your life's work in some ways. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about how you've turned, now that you have more energy to express a purpose, um, how are you expressing that? Well, I'm going to give you the best answer you could ever have as I did what you said. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> um, is that I did try to do every possible thing to be well. So... That's very easily said now. But when I was, you know, when I had 40 weeks a year in bed, I made sure I didn't drink any pop or I had any Mars bars. There were tiny things I tried to regulate my sleep. I did, you know, all those very basic pacing, yeah. functioning, any care things. But I always looked for the 3% of progress. I never looked for an overnight thing. What can I do with that little bit that I have? And there was a cumulative goodness in that. But I know I was fortunate because I had I had the ability to do that at some level and I counted my blessings. I tried to be a blessing, but I tried to look what on earth can I do with this tiny bit of something that's in me? Who am I? And I was unemployable. That's a very difficult thing to say, but I really was. And I didn't earn any money or go to work till I was 36 and I was ill at 17. So please, if you're a teenager with ME, you might be better by 20. You might be vastly improved by 30. This is a long game. It might not even be a long game for you. You might be better next month. You know, we have to realize that and look for those examples. The 3% gains of looking for purpose. But all my choices, if you imagine going down a long road and there's lots of lefts and rights you can take, I just didn't have any lefts or rights. <laughs> I was crawling along the road. But what I could do is I could think well, by the grace of God, 
I could write and I, I wanted to write, speak, and inspire just a little bit. And those things were the things that I could do when I was seven. When I was seven, the school knew there was some little bit of spark in me. And I did my first school assembly when I was seven. And I felt like there was electricity flying up my feet when I stood up on that chair and read to the school and played the piano. And I suddenly thought, that's who I need to be. I need to be that little girl who's scruffy and reads from the chair. So my purpose now is to try and generate loving joy as the life joy coach, and I write books. Because I wasn't well enough to do a nine to five, I had to make my own work. So being self-employed, it was my only option, and it has been a great joy. And it has been immensely hard work, and immensely nerve-wracking, as you know, it's a, it's a difficult way. But it was my only way. So in some ways, all those options blocked off. So... I started with what can I do with what I've got? And you've got knowledge. People have got knowledge they don't know they've got. And how can I perhaps in some ways use that to loving purpose to help other people who are further down the track? <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. come on, darling, come with me. Come and yeah. tuck in my coat. I'll let you talk a bit more about that in a minute. But I just wanted to say that it's a really important thing to think about is that wherever you are right now, there's probably some somebody who hasn't quite got there yet, who is in need of maybe hearing your words or, or having your understanding or whatever. It's like, we don't have to be at the end of the road to be able to help people. Um, wherever we are right now, we'll have gone through so many challenges already and overcome them. And we already carry something that we can share with other people and and that's what you're just saying is is yes I know I, I can help the people who haven't got to where I've got yet which is wonderful and and you also recognized your specific sparkle which was words and communication and being able to share um, so Tell me a little bit about how you manage your day with your writing and, and, and your being self-employed. Well, I manage it with great care. And, you know, I'm not back running and being a triathlete. I didn't try to go back to the life I had that made me ill at 16. That's an important thing. I tried to use what was sustainable and wise. So, you know, I'm not back. I mean, I've, I was a Christian celebrant for a decade, as well as a coach and a writer. And I'm, I haven't gone back again because Ill, illness is teaching you something to get you back on the right path sometimes. So I've had to be humbled about what I couldn't do. And I'm not doing in-person things, but by the grace of technological joy, you know, I have, I have coaching one-to-one counseling clients. Um, I have books and I'm trying to muddle together. My dad has a phrase where muddling along in varying degrees of elegance. And I'm trying to do that. Um, so I have I have a very structured day that's very tightly disciplined in terms of managing health and energy. And I have a very structured sleep pattern and I have a very tight diary that certain things don't go in it until other things are in it. And, you know, all those self-care, yeah. but also the ability to say, no, thank you. I'm not able to. You have yeah. and you have very good boundaries, which are very kindly um, um, manifested. Um, so my working day really is I tend to have best energy early in the morning for brain. I know my patterns. I know who I am. And there's something lovely about having a coaching or counseling client mid-morning because I've, I've done a bit of something that requires a bit of vroom, vroom, vroom. 
And then um, I can have the client and the joy of having them as well as the work we do. And my best time for moving is after lunch because I've had my lunch and there's a kind of energy to my day. And then I'll come in and do what I call the admin-y, admin-y, that's a very Sunderland phrase, admin-y things later in the afternoon, or I'll have a rest if I need one. So I have made some peace about the necessity of balance and rest and acceptance that I can't, you know, my husband's been a very good runner and um, the thing I most want to do is go and do a triathlon, you know, and, and that isn't, I'm not there yet. But the business of having people behind you, I also have people ahead of me. And I have people who've made more progress. And I think I'd like to be like that. What can I do to get there? But it's not ridiculous. I haven't got a vision board with, with uh, mansions on and flash cars and rock climbing. You know, I have, I have very mundane goals, which are tiny, but I work towards them. And in some ways, I'm teaching a lot of my clients who are, have more stamina than us to use their, it's amazing the irony of me teaching people how to manage their energy. I mean, we chuckle the whole time because I often say the pot is calling the kettle very, very badly here because, you know, but I can nearly always help people manage that which they have as well as they can. And that yeah. comes one-to-one, -one. but the books, the books are the treasure, I think. Okay. Well, I'll we'll come to the books in just a second <laughs> but I just want to um, pick out a few things that you just said um, and one of the things that I really recognize is how you, you talked about a really structured day and the importance of putting some things in your diary before you let everything else happen because a, a lot of people say oh we don't like structure or it's hard to be it's hard to be that disciplined but when you're that disciplined, what do you get out of it? Joy and <laughs> comfort and health. And hey, I understand, but we don't have the luxury of not being disciplined because if you're not disciplined, darling, you're going to be more ill. And I had a discussion with somebody who, I, I mean, I've had several very intense debates with people who were um, somewhat dismissive of me trying to get well. And, you know, and they were, you won't get well, nobody gets well, you know, you're just spending money with people like water and who are promising false things. And I knew I wasn't doing that. And I knew I wasn't being ridiculous, but I also knew I had to try where I could. And we have so few choices and so much taken away as if you have, and I'm not saying you can get to a hugely disciplined place overnight, but if you just do your 3% efforts, they are cumulative. And if I didn't, you see, the other thing was I was the backup. So I wasn't the sickest person in our house. I was sick compared to lots of other people who were healthy and running big lives, but I was the backup. So if I didn't have a very, very tight use of energy, the state my mum would get into was um, um, would then create chaos and make me very ill. So there's an issue of responsibility and because we're not going to get a prescription tomorrow that's going to magically put everything right, and this is multifaceted, and, you know, you've got cortisol, you've got gut health, you've got energy management, you've got all these facets of trying to get well. Well, goodness me, a bit of discipline. I'm not, I'm not asking you to live off carrots for the rest of your life. <laughs> a bit of discipline is your best friend. Your parents should be giving you loving discipline as a little one. You then take it on as self-discipline, and it makes you a powerhouse. 
And I don't want to be a boring person who says you must do this. But my darlings, if you don't, where will you be? Where will it get you? This is the tiny bit of control you have when you have no control. I'll never booze. I have very little sugar. I don't, you know, and people are cross with me when I don't conform. But I will not do that because I've lost too much already. Yeah. Let's talk about your books. So this is a, one, one big part of your purpose has been caring, caring for your family and the love and sharing love joy. But another big part of the way you have shared your love is in the books that you've written. So um, tell me a little bit about those. Well, thank you for saying that, because if you were to ask me that people would think I've done uh, three books now. Um, I've got two more coming. Um, I can produce material because I'm disciplined. But um, writing books is the easiest thing for me physically compared to anything else. But also I have to earn and you don't earn huge amounts of money from books compared to coaching. You have to be realistic and I want to pay some bills. So the reality is that the thing of which I'm most proud of is the care for my parents. So in terms of purpose and work, it's a privilege. That's how I look at it. It's a privilege to be well enough to do something, to sing your little bit of song. So my books, my first book was about a manual for resilient living, life joy. It was all the things that I knew that might help you, my treasure. That's what I wanted to say. But, and it's 100 pages. And I wrote it for poorly people. The font is big. There are big gaps between it. And it's a workbook as well. And it's for each stage of life. But it will help you cope with difficulty. But it'll help you find your joy. And I made the font big and the pages and the topics really short because I couldn't read long chapters. So that was my offering. If, you, if I offer nothing else in my working life, that I hope some use to you. This, I didn't write another book for seven years because I was doing services and you know trying to earn the income. But then when lockdown hit, I thought, oh my goodness. So I wrote my second book, which was a reading for every day to help you through the year. So that was a small reading. We call them devotionals, a thought for the day. And that January's theme was love, February's was courage, March was integrity. In those awful hours, you could read that if you could just manage it or have somebody read it to you and it would help you through. And one of the most profound things out of all of this was I took a, a funeral service for a, a young man and his wife, sister, bought the book and she goes every morning and they read it to each other. They take turns. And that was from all of that trouble that I'd had and that had helped them. And they're really fit and strong and beautiful and wonderful women, but they'd had immense injustice in the world. So that, that, really, that was the whole point of everything, that I was useful somewhere, just a bit. Yeah. And my third book was the greatest difficulty for me to reconcile because I've had a tiny life. And we would say in the Northeast of England, I've been nowhere and I've done nought. <laughs> you know, my husband's been all over the world and I haven't been you know I went on school trips that's what illness did I've never been on a plane I've never been drunk I've never had a kebab you know I've had a very quiet life but thank god I live near the sea um but my grandmother had had an enormous life and when I was in that bedroom for 40 weeks a year it was very difficult to reconcile 
she'd had this grand adventure to China in the 1930s and run a mission hospital, taught the local people to be nurses, learned Chinese in a year, had just had a phenomenal life. And I was in that bedroom doing nothing. How could granny and me, and how could all of that? And now I look at that and reconcile that, is that the purpose of all of that silence and difficulty for me was to let her shine. And this is the biggest book, and this is Ivy's life, which was immense. But the bit that's the really important piece for everybody with ME that is listening, is that Ivy had a big, big life, and everybody's like, oh, oh, Ivy, isn't she an inspiration? The person who's the biggest inspiration is not Ivy, it's her son, my dad, who has had more illness than you could possibly imagine, and borne it with such heroic courage. He hasn't been to China. He last went on holiday to France in 1989. But yet his courage, his wisdom, his generosity, and the amount he has suffered. And he says, I'm not to use the word suffer, but struggle. Now that's magnanimity, isn't it? That's the point about purpose. It's not about adventure or outside stuff. It's about your inner light and your courage, I think. That is an absolute beautiful place to start bringing this to a close. Thank, so you thank you it's it's been a delight thank you for all your inspiration bless you and keep shining thank you for having you me. too you too take care bye bye